Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Thank you, Dave. 909 now on this Monday morning. David Hammer joins us, WWL-TV investigative reporter. And before we get to David, I would I would preface this segment with this. Um, it's kind of complicated. This is not stuff that you've heard before. It's stuff that was uncovered as a result of the bankruptcy hearing. It was stuff that was tried to be hidden as a result of the bankruptcy hearing. And... It goes to how far would you go to protect or help a pedophile that worked for you or or with you or at the place where you worked um, and you knew he was a pedophile, even if it happened before you got there, how far would you go to protect or help them after? And it's kind of confusing because you got three archbishops involved you have a victim named Austin as well as the city of Austin. So with that, David Hammer, I welcome you in. You have two sisters named Austin, and we'll try to get through all of this. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I feel like you've uh, set me up here to make this even more complicated. Well, I hope not. I was just trying because at the bottom line, we're talking about a pedophile um, yeah. that, that is without doubt a pedophile, that, that the employer was told that he was a pedophile, but yet, despite a judge's order, the archbishop going around that to try to help him out. Accurate? Yeah, I, I think the bottom line here is that this is an example of why these stories still need to be told. You know, I get calls from people, I get emails why are are you picking on the Catholic Church? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is an example. This story is an example of why the tends to be about the Catholic Church when we report about child sexual abuse. We do stories about child sexual abuse in public schools. I've done those stories, mm-hmm. child sexual abuse in Protestant churches, other organizations where there have been cover-ups. The issue with the Catholic Church is that here is an example. This story was an example of a case where the cover-up has been reported and shown and documented over many, many, many years. This is the case of a priest named Jerry Howell, <clears throat> excuse me, a priest named Jerry Howell, who essentially was shown to be a pedophile as far back as 1980 and was reported by Archbishop Philip Hannon at the time to the police. Uh, no charges were filed, but the evidence kept building and building, and they tried to address it behind the scenes. And 
the disastrous re- results were that he just kept going and kept being a priest. As much as they tried to kind of ostracize him and push him aside, he simply just kept serving as a priest in different parishes, both in Louisiana and in Texas. So let me go back there for a second, and I'm not trying to to besmirch the name of anybody, but Hannon calls the police, which seemingly is the right thing to do, but yet on the law enforcement side, nothing happens, and on the archdiocese side, he's continued to allow allow, allow to pray on victims and then start some kind of death ministry? Right. So he had started this deaf ministry back in 1967, Jerry Howell did. And you can still go on the website for uh, the St. Gerard um, ministry that's specifically for the deaf ministry that's uh, maintained by the Catholic Church today and see in the history section that it says that Father Howell founded this back in 1967. And there was a center for the deaf where the children of deaf parents and deaf children would gather regularly, and many of those children ended up accusing Father Howell of uh, molesting them. And the more these were reported, the more the church tried to work behind the scenes to do things about it, and nothing ever was done. He continued to be a priest, and that was exposed in 1992 in a WWL report by Bill Elder, um, who was the investigative reporter, a longtime investigative reporter, who showed that he was continuing to serve as a priest. And as you fast forward through, you have uh, these women, the, the, the Austin sisters who did the report with Bill Elder back in 1992. They are still concerned about what's going on with Father Howell, who's still alive and living in Texas. And so As they went forward, after he retired, the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of New Orleans, continued to pay for Father Howell's retirement, his stipend uh, every month, uh, you know, his his rent at a senior living center, his utilities, all of these expenses. And finally, in 2020, the church had filed for bankruptcy. The Archdiocese of New Orleans was in bankruptcy, and almost immediately— an order came from the bankruptcy judge, Meredith Grable, that they should stop paying those credibly accused priests their retirement benefits. So when he stopped, when they stopped paying those benefits, Father Howell complained and appealed to the Vatican and said that this is unfair because under church law, he should have his expenses paid. And uh, that's when Archbishop Amon came in and said, I, I that essentially he said that it's unjust and unfair that and painful that the court has ordered them to not follow church law and to stop paying him, and then directs him to a nonprofit called the Men of Melchizedek that is its sole existence is to help priests who have been either jailed or credibly accused and lost their benefits. So... I just want to refresh everybody's memory for a second. You're talking about going back to Bill Elder up to 2020. That's the span of this thing. For people that think this is old news that just keeps getting reported over and over, it is not. This is the first time I've ever heard uh, of Jerry Howell. I, I didn't. And not only that, Tommy, in 2010, he was sent back to treatment again. He had been sent to treatment in the 80s. 
He was sent back to treatment again in 2020 by Archbishop Amen. He was diagnosed with pedophilia, and the psychologist said he cannot be rehabilitated. He is continuing to try to cover up his activities with children, and still they continued to pay his benefits. And still has access to children, if I, if I read the story right, and the therapist correct. is trying to keep that from happening, correct? Correct, absolutely. And, and he would. she was questioning him, and when she questioned him about his access to children and what his neighbors knew about his his history, he actively got he got belligerent and actively worked to prevent her from talking to those neighbors. And she wants to basically she wants to warn the neighbors and say, look, this guy's a pedophile. He's still a priest. Keep your kids away from him. And there's pushback on that. Correct. Correct. And Archbishop Amen says. I reached out to the law enforcement in Texas and to the minister, to the uh, diocese there to make sure that he did not uh, publicly minister and and publicly serve as a priest. Uh, But, you know, that was not controlling what he was telling the people around immediately around him and the families that it was documented in this report that he was continuing to interact with that had small children. There is... um... I guess on on the surface, this bankruptcy was declared to preserve assets. Um, so you can make a case that, well, wait a minute, we want to pay a pedophile priest, but we don't have money to compensate victims. But there is some question as to whether the bankruptcy was really about asset protection or about controlling access to records. Is that not correct? Well, you know, there's different perspectives on that. One of the points that's made is that the Archdiocese in Santa Fe, New Mexico, addressed that by simply releasing all of its records and put to rest the concerns that this was an attempt to simply shut off access to the records. And, you know, that has not been the tack taken by the New Orleans Archdiocese. New Orleans Archdiocese has used the bankruptcy to continue to keep these records secret And that was the point that was actually made by the attorney representing Miss Austin, who said, you know, there are things that you're telling her because these records we were able to get. There was actually Ramon Vargas at The Guardian who was able to get access to these secret records. And when we were talking to Miss Austin now, she was learning things about Father Howell, uh, her tormentor, that she had never known before because we had access to records, but her attorney couldn't tell her what were in those records because there's a gag order and there's a secrecy order by the court. Even between her attorney and her? Correct. Wow. Correct. And that's the kind of thing that I think the victims feel is adding insult to injury because they haven't been able to get the money that they say is owed to them through the bankruptcy process yet, although negotiations are underway, and they feel like, you know, they are not able to learn all the information about about the the people that they're accusing of, of sexual abuse. So tell me about the letter with Howell and Archbishop Amond and the Monica Applewhite, who the psychologist who evaluated the uh, the pedophile priest Howell. Yeah, so back in 2010, Monica Applewhite, a psychologist in Texas, uh, sent a letter to Archbishop Amond and uh, and the Archdiocese of New Orleans and said, "This is, you know, I reviewed this case. 
he is a pedophile. Jerry Howell is a pedophile, and he's not able to be rehabilitated, and he's high risk because he continues, even in his older age, to be a risk to children. And later on, when the court stepped in and said, you have to stop paying Jerry Howell his his, uh, retirement benefits, that's when Howell wrote a letter to the Vatican. And actually, the Vatican representative in Washington, D.C., is an Archbishop, uh, Christophe Pierre. So he wrote to Archbishop Pierre and said, this is un- unfair, you know, under canon law, under church law, I need to be continue to continue to get my benefits. And he blamed Archbishop Amond and the local church here in New Orleans for preventing that from happening. And so Archbishop Pierre in Washington wrote to Archbishop Amond and said, if what this priest is saying is correct, uh, then we need to do something. And that's when Archbishop Amon wrote back to Archbishop Pierre and said, I wish we could. Uh, I fervently pray that he is able to get help from outside sources, but we cannot go against the United States law. The United States law has to take precedent over canon law, but even though that situation is unjust and uh, painful, that's the way that it has to be. And our lawyers tell us that if we want this arch, this uh, this bankruptcy to continue, then we have to follow what the court is telling us. We fervently pray that Father Howell's pursuit of those outside resources is successful. My heart goes out to him. That's a letter from Archbishop Amon to Archbishop Christophe Pierre, who is the U.S. ambassador to the Vatican. But at that time... According to Monica Applewhite, I'm guessing the Archdiocese knows of at least 24 cases, and given the young age and exceptional vulnerability of the children, many of whom were deaf, this is likely to be a significant underestimate of the full volume of cases, adding that Howell would always be a high risk. So at that point, David, as far as we know, did Archbishop Christophe Pierre know about the pedophile activities of Father Howell? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, I think Archbishop Pierre, as he says, if what he is saying is true, I think Christophe Pierre is is depending on Father Howell's portrayal of what's going on. And Father Howell is portraying himself as rehabilitated and as somebody who has been dedicated quietly to to his ministry uh, and, and that he has lived a good life ever since these issues were addressed back in the 80s. Um, Archbishop Amen knows what, what uh, you know, the, the doctor has said, Dr. Applewhite, and he's writing to Christophe Pierre and saying, I wish we could do more for him. I've directed him to the men of Melchizedek. Now, the men of Melchizedek is a whole other story. This yeah, let me get to entity. that in a second, because yeah. the archbishop then, Archbishop Amen decided to try to help this pedophile priest circumvent the law and get some aid from a charity, correct? I mean, I don't know if you call it circumventing the law. To be fair, you know, this is not the church's money that's paying, but it is the question— Try to get him some help. Yeah. Try to get him some financial help. Of of our conversation here just now, it's the question of what is his responsibility, and as Kathy Austin, one of the victims, said in our interview— this is way beyond the scope of his responsibility. What is he doing trying to help a uh, pedophile priest continue to get paid every month and to cover his expenses? And as we showed, even though it was an anonymous letter, we showed very clearly that he did continue to get help then from the men of Melchizedek. Uh, after we showed that there was a letter of a thank you note to the men of Melchizedek from somebody named Jerry, the, the men of Melchizedek changed their website to cut off the signature that said Jerry, uh, which was the evidence showing that uh, Jerry Howell continued to get help from this nonprofit group. And this nonprofit group has had problems of its own. It's been uh, a previous iteration of it was shut down by the attorney general in Michigan for uh, misportraying its, itself to its donors and misusing its funds. And it just simply reconstituted itself as the men of Melchizedek and continues to show on its own website that it's there to help priests who are in jail and have done other things that have caused them to be punished and not get their money anymore from the church. Um, The fact that he lives in Austin and Archbishop Amon was in Austin before, is that just a coincidence as far as we know? I mean... uh, (laughs) I don't know. I, I would I would say yes, uh, only that, you know, uh, Archbishop Amond was a bishop in, in Austin before, but, uh, you know, didn't necessarily have any any authority over Father Howell. It's, it's hard to say. I, w- I would say that it's coincidental. You would say? 
Wait. You, yeah, I would. Yeah, okay. I would say it's coincidental. I, I you Well, know, and coincidentally I enough, I, I, let's just go ahead. Let's just put it this way: I don't have any evidence that uh, to indicate otherwise. did anything specifically to help Father Howell when he was the bishop in Austin, Texas, uh, necessarily. So I would just say that it, it, you know, the fact that they both were in the same city at the same time is. May, may not be relevant. And, and that goes to what I said when you came on about the sisters are named Austin as well. So there are some coincidences, and it does make the story a little bit hard to follow. However, um, the, the bottom line is this. Gregory Amen, Archbishop Amen, is not operating outside of the approval of the Vatican, I don't think. And to me, this just goes to— and I understand Archbishop Amen saying that, you know, he, he wants—and he's he's I'm paraphrasing here, but, but he's— you know, he's a vicar of Christ on earth, which I think is what he's supposed to be, and that he wants to show mercy and everything to everybody. But it does go to the church's um, continuing refusal to—I'm to, um, trying to pick my words carefully here, David, but, but the church's um, sympathy, if you will, for pedophile priests or, or uh, kind of helping them or keeping them from accountability? Help me out here. Explain what the overall... Well, I, it, you, I think you're right. He's, he's walking a fine line because he says in his statement to us when we asked him about this case that essentially he can pray for uh, the souls of accused pedophiles, even those who have done the, the, the worst things, and taken advantage of children, and he can walk with the victims of sexual abuse. Um, but I think from the perspective of the victims who say part of this is accountability, part of this is, you know, being forthright and coming forward with all the details and not trying to hide them anymore, they feel like that's contradictory. They feel like, you know, if you're going to walk with us, then you need to you know, not be going out of your way to help the person who abused us. Maybe I'll say it because you can't because you're a reporter, and the archbishop is quoted as saying, this does not preclude me or anyone else from praying for those who have committed sins, even one as heinous as sexual abuse of a child, or from offering charity to sinners. And praying is one thing, but when when you talk about your concern for, bankrupt, for um, victims of sexual abuse, but then— you're trying to financially help the pedophile, not even with your own money, but trying to find a third party to help a pedophile. That's, that's kind of make you wonder what's going on, doesn't it? And saying that it's unjust and unfair that they can't use their own money to help him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the other thing. He's saying in that letter to the Archbishop Pierre that he wishes that he could and that this, that it, it, it is unfair that the United States law takes precedent over the church's law. And that's another point here is that, like you said, the Vatican has used its own laws to try to circumvent American law on many occasions here. And and this is another example of how he's even telling the ambassador, explaining to him, I wish it were different, but we actually have to follow American and Louisiana law here, uh, even though it contradicts what our church law tells us. Tell me about the victims real quick before we let you go about um, the, one of the victims. I think it was Kathy Austin and punishment, her thoughts. Yeah, Kathy Austin feels like this has to be punished, that this has to be held accountable, and that the archbishop should not be involved in helping the person who abused her and dozens of other 
children when they were at the Center for the Deaf. Um, they need to be held accountable. And she feels like all these years, going back to when she was on with Bill Elder in 1992, the church was hiding what, you know, the, the facts about Jerry, uh, Jerry Howell and that they were not punishing him the way that he needed to be punished. We still don't know what we don't know, do we? Yeah, there's a lot more out there, and that's why we continue to do these stories, is when uh, Ramon or I find documents that have been hidden under this bankruptcy by the church and have been kept secret, they continue to expose more details that we didn't know before about how extensive this abuse was over all these decades. I think think you either help everybody equally— you, you, you pray for the victims, and if you want to pray for the predator and, and help them financially, well, then you have to make sure that you help the victims, but you can't have one foot, as you said, straddling one fence and one straddling the other. Yeah, and that's why I raised the issue of the Santa Fe Archdiocese. They made a decision. We're going to release all the documents. We're going to show everything, not just put out a list that has some of the people but leaves off others, you know, not say that we're going to address it, but actually address it by laying out all the documents that show all the truth instead of leaving it to to us to find it and, and expose it in dribs and drabs. Why not put it all out there? Thank you, David. I appreciate your time. I really do. I know you got to go. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? All right. Sounds you great. Bet. Thanks, Tom. David Hammer, WWL-TV, uh, WWL Louisiana investigative reporter. Somebody texted in and corrected me. An archbishop is not the vicar of Christ, only the Pope has that title, which according to the rules, I guess, is accurate. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.